We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm not interested in doing this show today at all because fantasy football is the worst ever. Like I, I hate it. I hate fantasy football, Nick. I really do. Tough break having to host a fantasy football podcast then, huh? Right after a fantasy football radio show, back-to-back. Yeah. You get back-to-back jacks after just falling apart in the Stopa League. Uh, a lot of money at stake, and I won't be winning any of it, it seems, unless uh, Justin Tucker kicks seven field goals and uh, Brashad Perriman scores two long touchdowns. And uh, on top of that, LeGarrette Blunt does nothing. If, if, if that all happens, then maybe I've got a shot. I guess if uh, if someone goes like full Tanya Harding on LeGarrette Blunt in the next six hours, we'll know where to look uh, as suspect number one. But it, it is interesting. I mean, we can't complain about you know working in the, the sports industry. It's a lot of fun. But there's no other job where you can, you know, have a terrible weekend like like you did, 
Uh, like if you have a bad day as, a, as a, like an accountant, you don't have to go host a radio show and then host a podcast about how bad your day was. Right. You don't have to relive exactly. the disappointing day that was the day before. I mean, it's it's the epitome of a first world problem. And yeah. I it's am possibly higher than first world. I, I am grateful. Point. I'm grateful that this is what I'm frustrated about, because yes. in the grand scheme of things, it's a it's a non source of frustration like in the real world. But. Look, I'm down. I'm not gonna not gonna pretend like things are are great. And you know, part of the problem there were a lot of at your desk earlier today. I was I was bawling. Um, part of the problem is that a lot of players just didn't show up this week. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Des Bryant, Devontae Freeman, Allen Robinson hasn't been showing up all year, but he 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 at least held up to form. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Melvin Gordon left the game early. You know, so a lot of people. That wrecked DFS and season-long lineups. Le'Veon Bell had a monster game. Uh, if you went up against Le'Veon Bell, there's probably a 95% chance you lost. I mean, because if you had, if you went up against Le'Veon Bell, and that owner also had Devontae Freeman and Mike Evans and Dante Moncrief, who left the game early, you know, you, you could have had a combination of other players realistically who all looked good that weren't. I mean, that's that's a possibility. And then maybe if you were going up against Bell. Maybe you had David Johnson, Carlos Hyde, Tyreek Hill. You get a combo like that. I mean, you basically needed like three guys to go off to balance out Bell. Not not even surpass Bell. Just just balance that. And then from then on, you know, you have to hope that whatever else is left on your roster outscored, you know, whoever was left on the opponents. But yeah, I mean, this was one of those weeks where there were two or three guys. If you didn't have one of those two or three guys, whether it's in daily or season long, you probably lost or didn't cash. So before we start breaking down the games. Uh, what would happen for you this weekend? Jerseys? Do you see a lot of jerseys? Uh, I see you got some new gloves. They look like uh, the robber gloves, you know, like yeah, like the bad guys wearing Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got some new gloves. Did you get those from Shannon? They're not new, actually. No, they do. They do look like gloves Shannon would wear. They, I mean, they they are gloves Shannon would wear. Yeah, they actually are. Uh, no, my mom got them for me. Um, she, you just every year cut she the like fingers. Sends me gloves, even though I like I don't lose them. I, I have them all. She just keeps sending me gloves because she's worried about my hands. You know, staying staying warm in this horrible Wisconsin weather, uh, but no, it was it was a calm weekend for jerseys overall. Um, you know, kept it pretty low key this weekend. Just kind of hung around with it being cold, and you know, there's a lot of our friends still in college. You know, living around the campus here, so they they were studying for finals. So I didn't get out to see as many jerseys. Basically, is what I'm saying. I didn't have as many opportunities, um, but I did wear. I saw a jersey. It was on me. It was on my body. The one you wore. Byron Leftwich jersey, one of them. You looked in the mirror. You looked at the jersey yeah. before you put it on. Right. It was kind of one of those intuitive things where, like, I don't remember putting it on. I just, you know, huh. all of a sudden I looked in the mirror at, like, 2 o'clock. I was like, huh, how did, how did this You, you like, way? blacked out, put yeah. on the, the jersey. Kind of and then every morning. Like, as soon as, as soon as the Jaguars game kicks off, I just black out until, like, 3.15, and then the game's over, and I snap back to reality. Um, and that's really how it went this week, of course, with what happened. Uh, at Everbank. At Everbank in Duval. The bank. The, yeah. the bank Tough is. Place to win if you're the Jaguars. <laughs> nobody, nobody actually wins. Easy place to win if you're the road team. At the bank, I didn't see any jerseys either. I was out Saturday night. Uh, you know, one of our coworkers had Chasers. had a bunch of people over. Chasers? No, I didn't go to Chasers. I don't go to Chasers. Maybe I should, but I don't. Uh, they had a a cookie exchange because this. after you turned thirty. Yeah, who did this? Uh, this was this was AJ. AJ AJ and his wife had wow. a bunch of people over to to exchange cookies. This this was this, 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 there were no, there were no other rotowire people there, so I think 
think it was a non rotowire event. I love cookie exchanges. Well, I know, and I imagine that like you're looking forward to the day when that's what you do on a Saturday. Like you make a bunch of cookies, you put them in a box, you bring them over to someone's house, and you take someone else's that's cookies a real, home. Like, look yourself in the mirror moment. Yeah, no, it is. It it is, and uh, I I had to make it. I had to put my spin on it, so I, I brought beer, of course. Like I brought my own beer, and I felt really bad because I got there, and AJ Bruce's own beer. Uh, he was gone. He had a hockey game to coach or something, so he wasn't even there. What? Yeah, it was very bizarre. <laughs> I feel bad for you. Yeah, so, well, my other friends drink beer. Oh, okay. oh, okay. I thought you just like AJ invited you. No, it, no, no, no. It wasn't that. Would be that would be really awkward. That would be really weird. Yeah, someone someone invites you over, they bail. Yeah, and you're just hanging out with like his other friends, and his wife's yeah, just right. there, and you're you're just like the guy that's there. And it, and my wife wasn't there because she was studying. So I baked cookies. This this was dating a freshman in college, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I baked cookies, brought them to my friend's house, drank beer, brought cookies home, and then fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> that was my Saturday. I didn't see any jerseys. I, I Rest up for that big fantasy Sunday. Uh, I saw a Husky wearing what, I, what looked like a Wisconsin Badgers uh, scarf, but I don't even think it was. I, I think it was just generic red for Christmas. Yeah, no jerseys. Ooh, we got the Rotowire holiday party tonight. Are you going to wear one of your jerseys? Probably not. Haven't thought about it really. Do you think Mario will wear the Takeo Spikes Eagles jersey? All right, let's move on to these games. Steelers Bills, the first one on the slate. Le'Veon Bell ran for more yards than Ben Roethlisberger passed for. 38 carries, 236 yards, three TDs. Also added four catches for 62 yards for good measure. It was the Le'Veon Bell show. In DFS, if you didn't have him in your lineup, you only could have a small cash or only. We ended a 50-50, but in terms of tournaments, he was an essential building block based on that line. Uh, 298 yards from scrimmage and three TDs. Yeah, and, and there were, it seemed like there were a couple opportunities in the fourth quarter. I mean, he had three touchdowns, I think, before the end of the third, right? Or was it early in the fourth he got that third? Uh, it looked like there was maybe going to be an opportunity to add uh, another touchdown to that total for Bell. Um, but you know the Steelers went interception, field goal, field goal, uh, and then kind of ran off the clock with their last four possessions. Um, this one was never really as close, I think, as the score indicates. I mean, it was twenty-four to seven in favor of Pittsburgh with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Buffalo was able to tack on a couple uh, of late touchdowns. The second one coming with about a minute twenty left, and they were unable to get the onside kick. It's been a bad year for onside kick attempts. This was one of the worst. Um, the The kick went about four yards and bounced out of bounds. Really? Yeah, it was bad. Well, oh, yeah, I saw the Dan Carpenter when he tried to toe bash it, and it just kind of spun sideways. He mishit it. This one had, like, you if you're Pittsburgh, like, you didn't even think about touching it. it I don't even think it made it five yards. It went basically at, like, a... You know, ten degree angle off his foot. Like, not not good at angles or uh, defunct funny. country abbreviations. Right. Those are your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a, it was a bad onside kick. Uh, Shady McCoy had one of those fourth quarter TDs, kind of salvage. It would have been a disappointing day otherwise. One hundred and eight yards from scrimmage and a score from McCoy. Charles Clay, who I've had in a Stopa league for several weeks, didn't play last week. Birth of his child, missed the game. Limited in practice all week. I let him go. I play Gary Barnage as my second tight end instead, and Charles Clay like slips a tackle and scores a 40-yard touchdown because that's fantasy football. That's how it goes. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, don't think, I don't think Charles Clay was, was heavily owned. I don't think a lot of people were depending 
uh, on Charles Clay. But yeah, I mean, like you said, about as, as fluky as it gets, you know, on a 40 yard touchdown from a guy who's not exactly a burner. No, not at all. Antonio Brown, five for 78. Ladarius Green, kind of quiet, two for 25 on six targets. I thought he would do a bit more in this matchup, but Roethlisberger not playing well, uh, really dragged down the pass catchers especially with Bell having 62 of the 220 yards that Ben threw for it really chipped away at what the other players were able to uh, to put up. Tyrod Taylor, 15 for 25, 228 yards, two TDs. He was picked off once and sacked five times. The cries for Tyrod Taylor to uh, maybe lose playing time down the stretch to Cardell Jones and for Rex Ryan to get fired seem oddly misplaced in both cases to me. Yeah, I mean, the, and Rex Ryan, who is in, you know, his job is in jeopardy in his own right, uh, said after the game, you know, when asked about Tyrod, if, if he's going to be the starter next week, he just said, we'll see. Uh, so not exactly a ringing endorsement uh, of his current starting quarterback. Uh, but, I mean, if you're the Bills, I'd, Tyrod, I think it's kind of odd. that I'd, I'd, In my mind, I wouldn't have thought that, you know, we'd be at the point right now that you're questioning whether Tyrod Taylor is a starter for this team. I mean, what were what were the Bills expecting this year? I feel like they haven't fallen short or all that short of whatever the expectations were, at least realistically. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, I think if you expected a lot more from the Bills, that's on you. Like, <laughs> right. The expectations are they're just wrong. Seven, they're you know, plus 24 differential. They haven't been like a, a, an atrocity by any means. They're in a, a really good division. I think the Dolphins are better than people expected. I, I don't know. I mean, I, did anybody really think this Bills team like screamed anything more than 8-8? Like, eight and eight? I think in the minds of some, they were a dark horse to win 10, a reasonable candidate to win 9, and get a wild card, and they're not, that's not going to happen. They're, I mean, they had to win out to be 9-7. and seven. I mean, they started 0-2. I guess, you know, after they beat Arizona, New England, <laughs> two, you know, back-to-back weeks, you could, they maybe had some momentum sitting at 2-2, two and two, but it turns out Arizona's not that good, and... Uh, you know, that win against the Patriots now ends up looking a little bit fluky. And their other wins are, you know, the Rams, the Niners, a beat-up Bengals team, the Jaguars. Like, I, I just don't see it. No, I, I don't see it either. Uh, let's move on to the Titans and Broncos. Devontae Booker continues to – I mean, is he – relative to what the expectations were and what was it, week seven, week eight, like, is he the biggest disappointment for you over the last – you know, month, month and a half. I don't know if we want to say second half of the season. He's definitely in the consideration because I, mean, I, I, I thought he would be the kind of player that could carry players to a title. I thought he was a better player than C.J. Anderson. And I don't think C.J. Anderson's a bad player. So I thought, you know, once Anderson went down, Booker was the kind of player we'd be talking about as a fantasy championship player that was a difference maker where if you didn't have that second running back and you had Booker stashed away or you picked him up when Anderson got hurt – he was the guy who's going to put you over the top. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Three carries, one yard, two catches for 10 yards. How about Justin Forsett uh, getting six carries for 17 yards and three catches for 18 yards? They just abandoned the running game. Yeah. I mean, nine carries. They were down 13 nothing at halftime. Still, Still down 13 nothing going into the fourth quarter. Some really ugly sequences. Trevor Simeon threw it 51 times in this game, 334 yards, a TD, three sacks. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both reaching 100 yards, Sanders getting a TD, both players with double-digit receptions too. So the passing game was fine. The running game was Man. not. I didn't. I just didn't think we'd say that about the Broncos running backs right. at all. They're not the type of team that they that would 
just completely abandon you know half of the offense like that you know usually it's not these type of teams that, that fall into that sort of I wouldn't say trap um but I mean when you have that big of a discrepancy you know 52 pass attempts as a team compared to nine rushing attempts um you know it's it's obviously a major issue and I, I wouldn't even say the passing game was working all that well like yeah 35 of 51 looks fine but you know, we're looking at, what, less than six yards per attempt. Um, you know, Bad. 11 catches for 100 yards for Sanders. Didn't have a uh, – really unable to break off anything long. And, and Denver had a chance at the end of this game. They uh, – I believe they had to start from, like, their own one. It, it was really close. Tennessee ended up punting late in the game. Denver got the ball back with, I think, a little over a minute left. Um, and they, they completed a pass over the middle to, to A.J. Derby that would have brought them to around their own 40. Uh, and that was with just over a minute left. So, you know, you're in business at least to maybe try a long field goal if you can get another completion or two. But A.J. Derby fumbles, recovered by Tennessee, and, and that was the game. Marcus Mariota, six completions, 20 attempts, 88 yards, 38 rushing yards. DeMarco Murray, 21 for 92 in a score. Of course, with Mariota throwing for 88 yards, uh, nobody had more than 30 receiving yards from the Titans. A group of pass catchers. Bizarre game, but one where the Titans come out on top, and they still look like the best team in America's division. Do they? I don't know. I Absolutely, like six of twenty for eighty. That's like a bottom five line. That's against Denver's defense. Sure, but I mean, I don't know. Six of twenty for eighty-eight yards. Give him um, ten more attempts, he'll get you about forty more yards. I think they maybe they do look like the best team in the division, but that says a whole lot more about the Colts and the Texans than it does Tennessee. Are there any good teams right now? No. No. Like, really? Like, none? No. The Jags, if they get hot, you know, they're on the road, maybe not a team you want to play. Um, Jags, you don't want to get the Jags yeah. at your place. Right, yeah. If they, if they find if they can slither their way into the playoffs here, that's not a team you want to face in round one. Um, but, no, I mean, like, Houston, you know, kind of did everything it could to, to give that game to, to Indy late, and Indy was unable to take advantage. The Colts have some – horrible horrible losses on their ledger i mean i i guess i think i mean now now that i think about it i might have to agree with you tennessee is the only team with a positive differential in this division houston's leading with a minus 45 differential well i actually trust like tennessee to show up and play good defense week to week and i look at them as a team that can be scary offensively we saw it in the green bay game a few weeks back and they run the ball well Mariota had a nice stretch of like eight games where he was playing very well. I don't think having a, a poor game against Denver's defense is uh, a big red flag. I mean, I just think that's a tough but, matchup. I mean, that's really, really poor. So let's say, like, Tennessee or, you know, Houston, I guess, right now, or Tennessee is going to be the – they'll be the fourth seed, you would think, as a division winner in the AFC. Like, do you – you know, they'd get a home game. Like, if you're the Raiders, are you scared at all of either of these teams? If you're the Raiders, I think Tennessee scares you more than the other teams. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. I mean, like, otherwise, no. Like with Houston, you're like, okay, they're not scoring more than like at the most 21 points, you know, unless we do something horrifically wrong on the defensive end. So that's nice. At least, like you said, Tennessee has shown that against average to below average defenses, it's able to put up points both, you know, running and passing. It's true. Let's move on to the Redskins and Eagles. 27-22 Redskins coming out on top. Deshaun Jackson with an 80-yard TD reception in this one. Pierre Garçon, 5 for 59 on a score. Uh, Rob Kelly with 88 yards from scrimmage and a TD. Chris Thompson sealed it late on a toss play. Only had three carries, 38 yards and a TD, though. Made it count 
when he was given the opportunity. Kirk Cousins, 14 of 21 for 234, two TDs, not really a lot of attempts, but still very efficient. Uh, he was picked off once, got sacked twice. Carson Wentz goes over 300 yards, didn't see that coming. Ryan Matthews, 15 carries, 60 yards at his return from a knee injury. Uh, Zach Ertz has really stepped up in terms of the target volume in recent weeks. I think three of the last four games now he's had double-digit targets. 13 targets in this one, 10 catches, 112 yards. Jordan Matthews, 8 for 79 on 10 targets. And this game played out mostly the way I expected. I thought Philly might struggle to put points on the board, but I kind of thought Washington would go in and get a win. I think the better team, I mean, that's not, that's a, a, not a big surprise. Philly almost the form. took this one at the end, too. I, mean, I know. They had, a, they had a, a second and 10, or I guess a first and 10, too, with about 25 seconds left inside the Washington 15, Carson Wentz. Uh, sacked by Ryan Kerrigan, and that was recovered by Ryan Kerrigan. Um, kind of yeah, just took over. Fourth game. I mean, about what you expect. Like Philly, Philly keeps losing these close games, but you know, I think they're like like we said uh, last week. You know, I think this is still a team that looks better than a lot of people anticipated it would uh, at the beginning of the season. But uh, if you're a Green Bay fan, like nothing broke your way outside of obviously beating Seattle. Like would have been nice for you know Detroit to lose. That didn't happen. Atlanta to lose. Obviously, that didn't happen. Tampa Bay, New York, Washington. Every team, basically, that you would root for to lose ended up winning. They'll probably all lose next week, so it'll be, it'll be okay. Dolphins 26, Cardinals 23. Ryan Tannehill suffered a torn ACL. He could be out until the middle of next year, depending on the rehab. This is probably actually... Um, maybe not. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Matt Moore takes over. This is a team that's 8-5. and five. They've got playoff potential. And sure. yesterday they managed to win on a day where Jay Ajayi had just 48 yards on 20 carries. Arizona's run defense has been tough all season long. So that's not a, a big surprise to me that Ajayi was inefficient in this matchup. The kicker is uh, it was Damian Williams taking a, a short TD pass from Tannehill in this one. You give that to Ajayi, Ajayi owners aren't that, aren't that like, miserable today. But only 63 yards from scrimmage on 21 touches, three yards per touch is very disappointing. Yeah, disappointing day for him, and, and a relatively disappointing day I think for David Johnson too to not get in the end zone. Um, you know, did get up over 120. It's a heck of a uh, floor. Yards, right? It is. It is crazy. I mean, the thing with Johnson is like even when he has a subpar rushing day by his standards, you know, four yards per carry, didn't really rip off anything long in this game. You can still. You know, check the receiving column, and you know he gives you. Especially if you're in a PPR, it's it's so nice to to have that uh, kind of insulated value that you pretty much know you're getting out of the backfield every single week. I mean, he and Le'Veon Bell are really the only two running backs who you can kind of lock in for like a minimum of it seems like four for forty through the air every week. Yeah, I think you look at those two guys, the way they're used, it's very similar. Uh, I think if you're a David Johnson owner, he's not the reason you lost this week. Something else had to go wrong too. But you could have used a bit more. J.J. Nelson had two touches, but two touchdowns. Uh, 64 yards from scrimmage. One catch for eight yards. One carry for 56 yards. Unbelievable. I had him in the stake league. I let him go before the week because I wasn't going to start him this week. So I, I wasn't getting those points even if I had him. And with that touch volume, it's not like you look at him and say, well, I definitely want him in my lineup for week 15. I mean, that's just a couple plays that happened to go his way. One long one that worked really well. Yeah, and you know, great catch at the end of the game. The, the touchdown reception is what tied this one up uh, really late. Um, Arizona able to get the two-point conversion and, and send it to overtime. I kind of had the same way, but I, you know, on the opposite team. Like I, I benched Kenny Stills for Tavon Austin 
who are in some ways are kind of like the same player as far as just like their their only upside is you hope that they break off some sort of fluky long touchdown and of course with stills out of the lineup six for 97 you know and a touchdown um but the, i mean this arizona team what what happened <laughs> i don't think miami's that good i mean this, miami just got beat by like 30 by, by baltimore last week and sure prior to that they'd won six in a row um I mean, Arizona is a complete, complete train wreck. Well, they're a bad road team. I mean, that's that's been a problem for them all year. They're 1-5 on the road, and I think Carson Palmer is, is the source of most of their problems. They, they play pretty good defense. They've got good weapons around him, and he is just he's just eroded to the point where he's not a playoff-caliber quarterback anymore. So they're it was brutal near the end of this game and when Arizona did kind of have a chance after coming back. Uh, but to be fair, it was also like, torrential rain at that point and obviously that makes it difficult to throw but that's where they're gonna have to make a change to be more successful in 2017 uh larry fitzgerald also on the disappointment team for week 14 three catches for 12 yards that's what we should do is we should have put together a first team all week 14 disappointments it'd be way we could just take your roster from just just yeah just screen grab my stopa roster that would be that'd be great Panthers 28, Chargers 16. Phillip Rivers played poorly. I didn't think a, a long cross-country flight would phase a man with seven children, but clearly Boy, were you wrong. it did. Uh, Melvin Gordon left this game early with a hip injury, still waiting for final details on what exactly the problem is. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to be as serious as initially appeared, but Kenneth Farrow took over. He'll be a, a waiver wire topic on the Tuesday episode with Jake and Eric. 16 carries, 55 yards. Dontrell Inman, 6 for 71 and a score on 7 targets. Hunter Henry scored, but uh, Antonio Gates had more of the production, 5 for 61 on 9 targets. You combine them into one player, you know, give give Hunter Henry some of those looks that are going to Gates. Yeah. Hunter Henry is a top 10 tight end, but right now they're both just picking away value from each other. Yeah, yeah if you're in a league that allows you to combine like a veteran with a young guy. Yeah, an, an over 30 with an under really 30. Well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those leagues out there today um, – I mean, Hunter Henry as, like, a dynasty guy, you kind of have to like quite a bit, right? I mean, like, they're, they're kind of under this, like, Derek Jeter obligation, you know, Kobe Bryant obligation with Gates where it's, like, as long as he wants to play, we kind of have to play him. And, like, he's been fine. It's not like he's, like, a huge liability or anything. Uh, but even though, you know, even if they might like Hunter Henry more, it'd be tough to justify you know, sitting a guy like Gates, and, and that obviously hurts uh, Henry's value in the short term. It does. Tyrell Williams, two for 68 on five targets. Have to wonder how much that shoulder is still bothering him. On the Panthers' side, Devin Funches pulled in the only Cam Newton touchdown pass in this one. Ted Ginn went back to being Ted Ginn, two for 21, four targets. Greg Olson had a the kind of a bounce-back game, four for 87 on seven targets for him. Cam finished 10 of 27 for 160 yards, the aforementioned touchdown a pick, two sacks, and then 31 rushing yards. I mean, just a very pedestrian you, yeah, showing. If you would say, yeah, if you would say that Scam put up, you know, completed 10 passes through a pick and, you know, really didn't run one in or anything, you wouldn't think that Carolina would put up 28 points and win this game pretty handily. Uh, but this is what the Panthers do. They look horrible one week, and then they come back and look like a much more complete team the next. Or Phillip Rivers turns it over five times. I mean, that's right. a big part of why the Panthers were able to get it done in this one. Jonathan Stewart, 24 carries, 66 yards, and a TD. So a nice volume game for him. If you threw him in as your RB2, I think you come away pretty happy 
with this performance. Bengals 23, Browns 10. Browns dropped to 0-13, including 0-7 at home. This was their last reasonable chance, and even that, they were 5.5-point home dogs in this case. Robert Griffin looked bad. I know it was snowy, but he looked bad. 12 for 28, 104 yards, a pick, three sacks. Uh, He did have a rushing TD, his first since 2014, I believe, 2015. It's been a while. 2009? Yeah, I don't know. It could be. Baylor? Yeah, (laughs) high school. Um, Yeah, I didn't catch a lot of this game. No, Unfortunately, I did really catch the well. It, it overlapped with the Vikings Jags. Right, Viking, so this is the Jags have been on TV in Wisconsin like way too much this year. Uh, it's because it's because the NFC North. Right, they played the NFC yeah. North. They played the London game that was on TV. They played the Thursday night game which was on TV. Uh, so I've seen there was a lot of complaints. It got to the, we had to bring out a second TV uh, into the living room yesterday. Well, uh, the Jags could really become America's team by leaving well, America. Like if they if they go to London. <laughs> And they become the London Jags, and for their eight home games, they play the early game, the yeah. early, early game that we only get a couple times a year. For all the young kids that wake up that want to watch football first thing in the morning, the only thing they're going to see are the Jags. Well, so they even need to go to London to do that? What if they just move all of their home games, so eight games a year are played really early? They play them at, like, 9 a.m. So if you want to watch football at 9 a.m., you can, but you have to watch the Jaguars. I think it's a good idea. It's kind of like having weekend cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it'd be kind of like a, a quirky promo-ish type of thing, but at this point, if you're the Jags, why not? I mean, you gotta you got to try something. Got nothing even, like, left they to showed, lose. They showed you know, the, the cabanas with the pool. Empty? No, it was Vikings fans. It was, they were invaded by Vikings fans. Like, you can't, you can't Invade, Invaded by Vikings. Yeah, I don't know. What's, what's the right word? What, what do Vikings do? Like, raid? Pillage? No, I think, I think invade was proper usage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing, um, but, you know, not surprising the result. But, yeah, anyway, I was watching that game instead of this game. However, I was able to see, thankfully, the RG3 interception uh, off the flea flicker. Yeah. One, not enough teams run flea flickers. Two, not enough teams run flea flickers out of their own end zone. Like, just the visual. Like, I was watching, I, I saw it on Twitter, you know, some people were vining and posting videos of this play, obviously, because it was terrible. And, like, it was, like, buffering as I scrolled down. And, like, all I could see was the video froze as it must have been Crowell, you know, is pitching the ball back. So, like, all you can see is, like, Crowell's body is turned away from the line of scrimmage. He's standing on the goal line, and the ball is just in midair, and you can't see RG3 because he was out of the frame. Like, what the hell is going on here? And then, of course, it loads. RG3 just uncorks a horrible throw into triple coverage picked. Yeah, I mean, there's a short list of times where the flea flicker – Actually works. Uh, 1995 Thanksgiving, I think it was. Lions, Bills. The Lions ran one that worked. I think they handed it off to Barry Sanders, pitched it back to Scott Mitchell, who then threw to a wide-open Herman Moore, if I remember correctly. I'm probably wrong on Some everything I just said. Terms. And then uh, in Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, usually if you're, you're the Giants, it's built into their playbook. If you change the playbook for any team, you can throw it in there. It works against the computer, it doesn't work against a good human player because if you don't have another play in your offense that looks the same at the start, it it gives away the play. Like the formation and the motion before you run the flea flicker gives away the play. So then a human player will just come blast the quarterback after the ball's handed off. So when the ball's pitched back to the quarterback, it's a fumble every single time. Hmm. And half the time, at least, you're going to get yeah, that those back. Yeah, trick as plays really work in video games. They rarely work in real life. At least least it's a realistic aspect of video games. I mean, NFL Blitz was 
predicated on all sorts mm-hmm. of weird laterals and things, and that was kind of fun. But Right. Yeah, NFL Blitz, I mean, one of the most realistic simulations out there. Jaguars were absolute dynamite on that game. Why were they so good? Was Mark, Mark Brunel, Brunel? Way too fast. Yeah, and uh, Fred Taylor? Yep, Fred. Uh, oh, well, well, we'll get to this when we, when we talk about the Jags, but I, I watched a, a very special episode of A Football Life the other night. Uh, the Fred Taylor one? No, they, fine. We'll just do it now. There's, there's an actually an episode. Like when I saw this, I almost thought like, oh, my friends must have hacked onto the internet and like posted this video to make make me, you know, just fall for it. There's a football life episode that focuses just on Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith and their careers with the Jaguars. Yeah, they're pretty great. It was awesome. Yeah, there's a, there's no, a duo. I, yeah, it was incredible. I learned a lot. When you play categories and the and the famous duos category comes up, if there's a, like an M or an S rule, do you squeeze in the McCardle and Smith? I have not played categories in way too long. I really like that game, but obviously I would, yeah. Well, again, things things you'll do more over 30, you'll be like, yeah, you know, it's it's Friday night. Let's play some categories. Yeah, play some Boggle, yeah. Uh, yeah, Boggle I think is for like the over 50 crowd. Okay. Um, Got that to look for. I also I was looking through a flyer recently because I was throwing it away and I saw Upwards was on on sale and I just it's like Scrabble but you could play over tiles they're stackable like almost like Legos in, in a weird way so you can I just go know. right over existing letters and it becomes a three dimensional game. Okay. It's stupid. Yeah. Why it's a terrible why do you idea. Why to change Scrabble? Like, Scrabble is great. Scrabble's fine. We don't need to try to improve upon it. Yeah. Like I've never been like. Uh, you know what, Scrabble's okay, but this game would be so much better if we could just change the rules and make it easier. If I could stack these yeah. tiles, this now game would be so much more exciting. That would be a board game. All right, that was the time we were going to use to talk about Bengals-Browns. Jeremy Hill, he's good against bad teams. Uh, 142 yards from scrimmage, 28 total yeah. touches. Tyler Eifert scored twice. Otherwise, there's nothing else to write home about here. Terrell Pryor on the list of all disappointments for this one. Isaiah Crowell... Cut off for 100 yards yeah. on 10 carries. Pretty impressive performance from him. Yes. Over over 11 yards per carry. Uh, Rex Burkhead, 9 for 45. I mean, he's certainly not a guy you want in your lineup, but he's seen a little bit of increased value over the last couple of weeks, mostly because they just don't have anyone else uh, with Gio Bernard hurt. But Rex Burkhead didn't get in the end zone. Ripkowski didn't get into the end zone. Kuhn didn't get into the end zone. So we went 0 for 3 on that. Wow. The, the fullbacks that usually ruin our lives didn't even ruin our lives this week, and yet a lot of things went wrong. Lions 20, Bears 17. Bears almost won this game. Yeah. The Lions were doing typical Lions things only to be outbared by the Bears. Yeah, they, uh, their attempts to blow this game were, were ultimately thwarted uh, by the team that they were trying to hand it to. Uh, Bears had some bad drops. It was, it was kind of reminiscent uh, of the game was it was it last week or two weeks ago against the Titans? I think it was just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, the Niners last week. Yeah, where I mean it wasn't quite that severe where there were just you know drops galore, but there was a couple of bad bad drops uh, on that last drive for Chicago that that ultimately uh, doomed the Bears. But I I came away impressed with Matt Barkley again. This is the second you know full game of his in a few weeks that I've watched, and he looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback. Maybe not a playoff caliber quarterback, but not a guy who. You know you can't entrust your team with if you know if you're in kind of this interim period for the Bears where you're you're in the middle of rebuilding but you don't really have you know that young quarterback that you love. I know I know it was snowy yesterday and cold and people don't want to go outside in this area, but your your guys' solution in your home when the extra TV came out wasn't to throw on the Red Zone Channel 
legally or illegally, it was to watch the other local game. We had our choice between the Vikings-Jags and the Bears-Lions. So you you guys, in your apartment, you went to the effort of bringing out a second television to watch this game alongside of that one? Yes. It was mostly... Uh my friends didn't want to watch the Jags. Like they were so repulsed by watching the Jaguars that they're like, we need to watch something else. And you know, they're Packers fans. So they wanted to keep an eye on the Detroit game because you know, obviously green Bay fans were rooting for the Lions to lose. <sighs> yeah, I guess that was, that's somewhat defensible, but man, you talk about bringing out a TV for, I mean, the, the only, is there a worse combination of early, like the Bengals Browns with the Vikings Jags, I guess would be worse. I mean, Vikings Jags is kind of like the incumbent. Yeah. Uh, well, Niners-Jets was a late game, right? So that, that doesn't count. That would have been in there. But, yeah, I mean, Bears and Lions are, like, two of the most just gross teams, I guess, to watch. And this game lived up to that. A lot of penalties. Some dubious penalties against the Bears, I thought. The, there was a really late one. Game. Yeah, the, the late penalty in particular. There were some questionable ones. There was, I think there was a pass interference call in the fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure it was the fourth quarter. And I, I just I was watching like there wasn't yeah. a penalty there. there were, it was bad. Yeah, I mean there were in the first half. I think the it felt like the Bears were getting two per drive. They were giving up you know pass interference, and for the most part, they were legitimate calls. I mean the Bears defensive backs just like were not turning around to the ball and. Uh, but yeah, still, you don't I mean, want to do that. In the day with 139 yards and penalties on just 11 penalties. I mean, what is that? An average of That's like efficient. like 13 yards of penalties, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, these weren't you know it's not like they just racked up a bunch of false starts or anything like that. Uh, the Bears secondaries, I think, really would doom them in this game. Uh, but for a while, it's what gave them the lead. I mean, they did have a pick six. Uh, LeBlanc, Cravon LeBlanc, I believe, uh, ran it back for for Chicago and. Uh, obviously, Detroit was able to, to come back and recapture the lead uh, on a Matthew Stafford fumble. He changed his glove four times in this game. Yeah, he suffered a dislocation yes. of his middle finger. How many different gloves are there? Like, how, what, what would be the difference even between glove one and, like, glove three? I don't know. Ask JPP, I guess. I mean, okay. It, that I, was a low blow. Why is that a low blow? I, mean, I don't know. Is blow kind of a pun, too? I don't know. <laughs> it's unavoidable. Yeah, you you did that. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's not, it's not on me. Oh, man. Uh, don't play with fireworks. Like, seriously. Yeah, sparks are flying they're, now. They're very, very dangerous. I've never once lit a firework in my entire life. Does that I've, surprise you? Uh, yeah, because you're from part of the state where you can do pretty much whatever you want with fireworks. and People do, yeah. Nobody's going to care. It's, yeah, it's actually kind of scary. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, yeah you're, in, you're, in a part of, you're in a part of this state where... People do have bad fireworks accidents. So I'm in the part of the state where there's something called the Eve of Destruction every uh, every September at that the local terrifying. at the local quarter mile racetrack, and uh, it's just like a fireworks fest slash destruction fest, as as the name implies. So, just drinking and fireworks. Oh yeah, uh, they do. So the track is you know it's like a just like a mini NASCAR track essentially. You know and you find those all over the place. Uh, but it has a figure eight track in the middle. So, yeah, on the Eve of Destruction, they have normal races, but then they also do figure eight races where cars obviously just slam into each other. And they do these with school buses instead of cars. So people bring their own school buses, deck them out with, like, you know, themes, kind of like a monster truck rally. Yeah, bring bring your own school bus. Yeah, and then just smash them. Uh, There's people jumping cars through rings of fire. There's a giant mechanical, like, dinosaur that breathes fire. Uh, That actually sounds pretty awesome. You know, it's kind of cool. It's it's something. It's quite the scene. You know, the 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 audience that something like that draws. Um, 
you know, as you can imagine, is is a little bit questionable. How's the jersey sign? Not good. There? You're not gonna find a lot. You'll probably find some Packer jerseys there. Really? Um, you know, yeah, you probably a lot of like Clay Matthews jerseys. Okay. Maybe some like BJ Raji, you know, that type of crowd. Yeah, Raji's, yeah. Um and I one of my friends who I ended up being friends with in college, who's from the the small town where this takes place, which is near my hometown. We talked about it one night. I'm like, oh, you've ever been to the Eva Destruction? You know, kind of jokingly. He's like, oh, yeah, my, my dad was the guy who drives the car through the Ring of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, just a you know, nice little story of how the fireworks, uh, the, the nice relationship between pyrotechnics in northeast Wisconsin. This, this sounds absolutely amazing, actually. It's something. I, I'm really excited. Yeah, it sounds like September is the time mm-hmm. this goes down. So keep that on your list of... Mm-hmm random Midwest things to do should you find yourself in this part of the country uh, for a prolonged period in the fall. Uh, nothing else really to add from this Lions-Bears game. I mean, Stafford's injury could be one that really impacts them down the stretch. Nobody had a great fantasy game. Anquan Bolden of the pass catchers had the best one, 3 for 49 and a score. Cameron Meredith on the other side, 6 for 72 in a TD, kind of stepped up in the absence of Marquise Wilson, and I don't think many people benefited from that. Uh, no theoretic, so we saw a 16-7 carry split between Dwayne Washington and Zach Zenner. We'll see if Riddick's able to return in Week 15. Texans winning in a big showdown against the Colts, 22-17. These teams both stink. Uh, Lamar Miller at least was healthy enough for 21 carries. Alfred Blue carried 16 times. Miller goes over 100 yards, 107 and a score. No Texans pass catcher had more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins, who checked in with 33 on two catches and four targets. Who do you feel worse for, Allen Robinson or DeAndre Hopkins? Hmm. Receivers we know are talented and are just victims of horrible quarterback play. Did Hopkins get an extension already? I know Robinson didn't. Yeah, I mean, Robinson's still, he's only in like his third year. Yeah, so I think I I feel worse for Allen Robinson. I don't think Hopkins didn't he hold out and then like end his holdout like two days later, but he never got a contract. I don't remember how that whole thing played I'm out. Pretty sure he did. Well, all right, we'll go with that. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, 115 yards and a score, nine catches. Dante Moncrief got hurt early in this one, targeted four times, didn't catch a pass. He disappeared after that. 74 yards from scrimmage for Frank Gore, also a receiving TD. One of those players where if you threw him in as your RB2 all year, it could have been much, much worse. Andrew Luck had a lot of pressure on him in this one. Uh, he got picked off twice. He lost a fumble. Finished with 276 yards and two TDs, but didn't look like he was playing all that well. I, I saw this game through red zone. I didn't watch any uh, prolonged stretches of it, but he just looked like he was under constant pressure. Yeah, and the, the first half especially was a little bit rough. Uh, you know, Threw a really, really bad pick. It was tough to tell, and this was deep in their own territory. Um, you know, it was tough to tell if a receiver went the wrong way or it was just the wrong read. Um, but he really, really didn't look good for the first half of this game. And then that allowed Houston to get up 16 to three, which in the AFC South is the equivalent of being up like 40 to nothing. And it's just an insurmountable lead. It's usually all you need. Vikings, Jags, Vikings, 25, 16 winners. TJ Yeldon, 17 carries, 59 yards, 7 catches, 31 yards, 90 yards from scrimmage on 24 touches. If you're in a full-point PPR league yeah. and you turn TJ Yeldon, you're, you're doing the happy dance today. I put him in a couple lineups yesterday. Come on, a good. couple lineups? I really did, yeah. I, uh, I had a choice. I, it was like between him and I think I had like Julio sitting in a flex spot, and obviously when he was ruled out, I'm like, 
screw it. Let's just put Andy Alden. And it's honestly, when I checked the box score after the game, it seemed like he had more than seven catches. It seemed like they were dumping it down to him every other play uh, because that's what the Jaguars offense basically is these days. Um, but yeah, he looked fine. I mean, he, he, you don't really expect anything out of the Jaguars rushing game, especially with Chris Ivory missing uh, another contest. But but Yeldon looked all right. Um, Jacksonville had opportunities in this game and defensively made a few mistakes, uh, had a couple bad penalties, uh, as they tend to do. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the Jaguars took the lead, 16 to 12. And, you know, things were looking good at that point. Even after Minnesota came down in their ensuing drive, long nine-play drive, took the lead right back. Um, <clears throat> but then ended up missing, uh, missing the extra point. So Jags, you know, could still win with a field goal. They get the ball back three more times. They punt, they punt, and then they get a field goal blocked. That's the Jag way. With five seconds left, down by nine, they kicked a field goal from 61 yards and got it blocked. Like, what was the end game there? I don't know. Gus Bradley. I don't even works know in mysterious get, ways. Like I obviously I can see. All right, we kick the field goal, cut the lead to six, onside kick. Like I just I don't I don't know I don't get it. Yeah. I don't even a sixty-one yard field goal doesn't even like that play takes at least five seconds, right? And, and what was the distance on the sixty-one? No, I mean like on the like on, on the play. Otherwise, like what was the? You know, they were at the Minnesota forty-three. No, like how, how long was it to get a first down? Oh, third and twenty. Third and twenty when they did it. That's. I mean, yeah, just desperation, trying to get the, the first part of the points you need to then onside kick it and then Hail Mary. I, I, don't. I mean, obviously they were doomed either way, but it was just like such a pathetic way to end the game. That's, that's how they roll. Packers 38, Seahawks 10, just the way everybody drew it up. I thought Seattle would come in and win this game, and, of course, they lose by 28. Russell Wilson played probably the worst game of his life, uh, five picks yeah, in this one. I mean, I mean, didn't play well in the NFC Championship game a couple fault? years ago either. Two, couple, couple two deflections. For sure, three maybe. Like the last one was kind of a, a throw out to I think it was Tremaine Pope. Yeah, uh, and that was a little high, but I mean, it still glanced off of of Pope's hands, like in the one spot you know, that could have been picked off. It was kind of uncanny, really, how many you know these tip passes were just kind of landing right in the the chest of the Green Bay receivers. But I thought the pick by Burnett, um, I think that was in the end of the half, right? Yeah, end of the half. Um, there was, a, it looked like maybe a little bit of contact over the middle with Graham, but you know, upon second, uh, second look at it, Graham just kind of tripped up and fell down. I thought that was a good no call. And even if Graham doesn't go down, it looked like Burnett was going to be in a great spot to make a play on that ball either way. Yeah. It looked like it, it looked like he had good positioning overall. Uh, Baldwin had 46 yards, six catches, 11 targets. He didn't do much. Tanner McAvoy pulls in the only TD yeah. pass of the day. So that kind of hurts everybody who had shares of Graham, Baldwin, maybe Tyler Lockett owners who have taken that chance too, coming off a big game against Carolina. Aaron Rodgers is 18 for 23, 246, three TDs. Gave away a bit earlier than expected, had a setback with his calf, but the Packers had a four-possession lead at the time. Yeah, I still think like if he's healthy, he's out there for at least another possession. Yeah, right? I, think, I, think I, I, I agree. Out, like, there was like 10 or 11 minutes left. There was a lot of time left, but it was, it was at the point where it was like, okay, with the injury factored in, it was, yeah, I think it was the right call. Uh, Ty Montgomery split carries with Kristen Michael. James Starks basically disappeared. 41 yards and a score for Montgomery on the ground, plus three catches for 45 yards in probably nobody's lineup. Uh, Devontae Adams had a long TD, a 66-yarder early in this one. Uh, Jordy Nelson had a couple scores as well. I had a, I had a stack going on DraftKings. I decided to stack Rodgers because he was cheap with Adams and Nelson, but I didn't get enough of the other little pieces right. I did okay. In the GPP, I just entered a $3 GPP. 
if I had just been able to find the right defense, if I'd played uh, Atlanta instead of Minnesota, for example, it might have been a pretty big day for me, but I just just missed on that. And then uh, Devonta Freeman just killed me. I, I thought yeah. Freeman was going to run all over, and he had a bad day. Right, right. I mean, that throw to Devontae Adams, that was, what, probably four or five plays into the game, 66 yards. That was, that was just one of those vintage Rodgers rolling right, flick of the wrist, you know, right in the bread basket for, for Devontae Adams down the sideline. And uh, even after that, I mean, Green Bay goes up obviously 7-0 early with that catch. And, you know, right away it was like, okay, this is the best start you could hope for if you're the Packers. But, um, you know, you still kind of thought, all right, Seattle's going to come back and do something like Rawls. They ended up having to get away from Thomas Rawls just because of the score, but he was running really, really well. Yeah, really he looked physical. good. I mean, just a guy. You can't even blame the Green Bay defense. He's just so so physical and so tough to bring down. Yeah, you look at what they were able to do, over five yards per carry for Thomas Rawls yesterday. So I, I think Seattle's going to be fine. They're going to make the adjustments, and Wilson's not going to play like that most days anyway. Uh, but Packers needed to come up with a big performance. Mm-hmm. They got one. Defense stepped up for some turnovers. I mean, a lot of things went right Seattle, for the Packers. Seattle, I mean, I think they'll be fine, too. They're obviously in complete control of that division with as bad as the bottom two teams are and, you know. Um, the cards being the a cards disappointment. Being cards, yeah. yeah, I was blanking on the, on the third team. Um, but they've had these games now. I mean, they big win. You know, they beat Philly. It was a, a decent win, a huge win over Carolina last week. But then you look at that 14-5 to loss to Tampa Bay, this game. Like they have these games where they just completely no-show. And, you know, come playoff time, you obviously can't have that happen. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's a team outside of Dallas right now that you're really, really fearing in the NFC. You know, like we, we can talk about if the Packers get in. Like, I don't think anybody wants to play them right now. No, but not. I mean, it's it's mostly because the offense, right. when, the when the day, clicking. They're still like 7-6. and six. They, Yeah, they're still a team that defensively you're not really worried about what no. they bring to the table and a lot of it's health so if they get healthy if they get Matthews back if secondary stays healthy you know if all those things are are there at the mm-hmm. end of the year come playoff time sure they so, they could become a little more dangerous but Randall Cobb got dinged up in this one look like he hurt both ankles only three catches for 33 yards for him yep. Jared Cook left with a chest injury he didn't return so the injuries just keep on coming. The for, Cook injury, uh, I, don't, I haven't team. seen, I haven't followed up on this yet, but he came back out without pads. You know, it looked like maybe it might be like a rib issue. Yeah, um, maybe maybe it's a rib, sure. like Richard a fractured Rogers, rib. I think was fine, but took a huge, huge hit. I don't know how he didn't come off the field that after that right, play. Cra- that was, I mean, he to his credit, he jumped back up like he didn't look like he had any concussion symptoms, I guess, but it's hard to tell on TV when a guy's wearing a helmet. I have no idea um, how he stayed on the field that after was, that play. Yeah, that was one of the one of the bigger hits you'll ever see and you know, set Green Bay up, I think, for another touchdown, right? I mean that that was inside the ten and I think it moved the ball into the, the two or the three, maybe the Montgomery touchdown. It was the second Nelson one, I think, is the one that set up. Okay. Uh, Jets 23, Niners 17. Niners had a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter, and it fell apart. Carlos Hyde, 200 yards from scrimmage and a TD. Really nice game from him. Sean Drawn even took away a TD, too, so it could have been even better for Carlos Hyde. Uh, you look at Matt Forte. He suffered a knee injury, only three carries for eight yards before departing. He's going to have an MRI today. Bilal Powell, though. 29 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, five catches, 34 yards. If he's available, I think he's the number one waiver priority pickup heading into week 15. Yeah, and it's not necessarily because you're really excited about Bilal Powell, um, because I think you have to look at this matchup and say, okay, it came against the by far, hands down, worst rush defense in the NFL, but who else does the, do the Jets have? You know, And I, I think they don't have a good quarterback. This is a team that probably would prefer to run the ball just for – you know, conservativeness sake, I guess. 
Um, and, and I think you'd be hard pressed to pick up another running back who's going to have the the built in workload that Bilal Powell is going to for these next three weeks. Yeah, I think with the matchup against the Dolphins in Week 15, not a great team against the run. That's part of the NFL's Thursday Night Football on Saturday series. Excuse me? How many people have been hit in the head to the point where we can't just call it Saturday Night Football? Why is it Thursday Night Football on Saturday? Are they really calling it that? Yeah, it's a special edition of Thursday Night Football. You can't, you can't do that. That's not a thing. I, I mean, they, this, they always do this every year, right? You start having Saturday games like Week 15. Yeah, for, when, for, for when college is basically not on TV. Yeah. But it's but it's like the Belk Bowl and hey, it's a good bowl and um, the Zaxby's Hearts of Atlanta Bowl or whatever yeah. it's called. Well, there's no so week seventeen. There's no Thursday night football. There's also no Monday night football. There's no there's no primetime games at all in week seventeen. Weird. Right? It, it, no, it's because of the playoffs. You don't want to have any right. team with extra rest or no, sure. longer or shorter rest by playing Thursday or Monday. Right. They should have just scheduled like the Jaguars for those games because they would know that you know yeah you know the Jags are not going Um, to the playoffs week 16 you know we get it we get Thursday we get a real Thursday game on a Thursday and then pretty much everybody else plays Saturday there's two games on Christmas day and then a Monday night game that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun actually I'm kind of looking forward to that yep it's gonna be a good week uh for championship week in week 16 uh I don't think we have anything else to say about the Jets and Niners do we I mean that's that one kind of, kind of rode itself. Uh, let's go to the Bucks and Saints, where there was a lot of disappointment yesterday. Uh, Mike Evans, in particular, in, in what should have been just a, a layup sort of matchup, uh, really falling short. Four for 42 on a day where Jameis Winston only threw for 184 yards. There were no passing TDs from either quarterback in this game. It. I don't, like, what, the Saints not only disappoint, like, with their own players, they also have a way of, like, disapp- like we're like, all right, this is going to be a shootout. Last week against Detroit, this is going to be a big shootout. Like, not only do the Saints players disappoint, like, they also have a way of making their opponents' fantasy players disappoint as well. So I don't, I don't know what to think of them. Like, who would – what was the over-under for this game? It had to be a hell of a lot higher than 27. 52, probably, if yeah, I had to guess. Barely even got – I think it was 51 and a half, actually, if, as, as of Saturday. Um, and, you know, barely gets to half of that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean – defensively Tampa Bay actually might be pretty good I mean Drew Brees is now throwing zero touchdowns and three picks in back-to-back weeks um that's odd I think it was Schefter I want to say tweeted out like you know this is a sign of how good Drew Brees has been he's never had back-to-back games of zero touchdowns and three picks like how many quarterbacks have like that seems like I bet you like Rodgers has never done that right zero TDs three picks back-to-back is kind of an odd thing yeah like I can't I bet you that hasn't happened you know twice this year ryan fitzpatrick has done it i'm sure i think the zero td like there's quarterbacks of back-to-back three interception games but zero tds three picks in back-to-back weeks is tough to do we'll have to consult the play index yeah, uh, take a look doug martin 23 carries 66 yards and a td charles sims did more or less what i thought jacques rogers would do four for 17 on the ground three for 33 as a pass catcher rogers touched the ball twice so he didn't really have much value mark ingram got nothing going seven for 14 tim hightower six for 31 Willie Sneed led the way, 6 for 85 on 8 targets. Cooks, 5 for 61 on 10. And Brandon Coleman stepped up in the absence of Mike Thomas to the tune of 5 for 47 on 8 targets. Just a miserable performance by the Saints uh, yet again. And uh, the Bucks coming away with the win is that they, they got a big all one. Of a sudden, like, they, they, I mean, they're tied with Atlanta for the lead in the division, and both of those teams could, could end up getting in. They get Dallas this Sunday night. Should be yeah. a pretty 
pretty big game between those two teams. Falcons 42, Rams 14. It was 42 nothing at the end of three. Todd Gurley plunging into the end zone in the fourth quarter. 16 carries, 61 yards. Also had three for 22 as a pass catcher plus the TD. So not a bad day for Todd Gurley owners who survived to this point. Uh, Jared Goff just looked terrible in the sequences I saw. I had this game running on yeah. red zone while I was watching the Packer game. Nothing he did looked right. I I just I have very little optimism about him as an NFL player. The personnel around him is understandably bad. That doesn't help, but I don't think he is the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Gabriel stepped up three for eighty-two in a score. Uh, we saw Justin Hardy score early in this one as well. So Matt Ryan, even without Julio and Mohamed Sanu, had two hundred and thirty-seven yards and three TDs. Tevin Coleman stepped up eight for thirty-six and a rushing score, two for nineteen and a receiving score on a day where Devontae Freeman had six carries for six yards, two catches for 12 yards, and did not find the end zone. Devontae Freeman owners were left high and dry, which should have been a fantastic spot against the Rams. It's nothing more frustrating to see that and like look at the final score, like if you were away from your TV doing whatever, traveling anything, on Sunday. Anything, literally see, anything. To see the score and think, wow, you know, Freeman must have had at least something to do with this, and then... Six carries, six yards, you know, like you said, two for 12 through the air. I mean, not surprising, I guess, that Taylor Gabriel was a contributor, but to see Tevin Coleman get the rushing touchdown is, is I think, what's especially tough if you're a Freeman owner. It is It is the Tabasco in the eyes from your week 14. The Giants hold on for a 10-7 win against the Cowboys. Dak Prescott didn't play well. The Giants' defense is good. Cowboys are 11 and 2. They didn't clinch last night as a result of the loss. The Giants are now 9 and 4, so a pretty big swing in how things could play out in the NFC East. And now we're back to the usual, well, should they go back to Tony Romo question? No, are we really? Are people saying that? Of course, of, of course people are saying it on camera in front of an audience if only because it apparently will draw people to click through and watch yeah, clips and of their shows. That's fair. Um Des Bryant in this game tar- targeted nine times, didn't have a catch until the final offensive play for Dallas in which he caught a ball over the middle and fumbled uh, to give the ball back to the Giants and, and ultimately seal the game. The thing I was talking you know, to my, my Packers fan friend as we were watching this game and you know, we're, we're looking at, okay, like, you know, does Dallas start resting starters down the stretch, you know, week 16, week 17? Like, even if they rest Dak, that would mean that Romo comes in. Like, I think if you're a team that's depending on Dallas to, to beat you know, some other teams in the NFC, if you're Tampa, Green Bay, Washington, what what have you, there's not a huge concern there, is there? No, not really. I think this loss certainly opens things up to where Dak and company might have to play all the way through. Right, it almost so. might be a good thing. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, NFL rosters are constrained to the point where, like, you can't rest, like, 22 players. You know, like, you can't rest your entire team, uh, your first unit on both sides. You know, when, when you, if you want to get that, that built-in rest, you just wouldn't have enough depth to do that, so... Not too concerned about that. Um, two more things. Des burned people. Des did burn people. He burned himself. Uh, did not have a good game. Uh, One then, catch and a fumble? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah, not great. Um, who's the MVP right now? I know. You, I think I care more maybe about than anyone oh, yeah. in the world about postseason awards. I do not care. Like, I really love talking about this stuff, and I try to always talk about it with James and you, and you guys don't care at all. But who is it? Like, I honestly think there's a case that Rodgers is, like, back in the top five now. He leads the NFL in touchdowns. He's, got, he's at, like, 32-7 to seven touchdown-to-pick ratio. He's easily going to get over 4,000 yards. He could get to, like, 40. He could finish the season with, like, 40 touchdowns and eight picks. I don't think he wins it because I don't think Green Bay has been good enough. Uh, I wouldn't give it to him. But 
I feel like it's it's got to be Zeke, right? Like, no one else has had that good of a year. It's almost like the Heisman race where it's like, yeah, Lamar Jackson's numbers are really good, but the team lost three times. He had a really bad finish to the year, but no one else was that good, so we still have to give it to him. I'd give it to Le'Veon Bell, even though he was suspended and missed some time. I, yeah. I mean, no, but yeah, that's I, I think we, Bell, we had the, we had the width and without him. Yeah. Look at what the Steelers' offense. I think Bell could and do. Zeke are probably one and two in some order to me. I don't I don't know about this whole like. There's been a little bit of a movement. I've seen some pieces on it of like they should just give it to the Dallas offensive line. Like that's that's cute and that's fun, but they wouldn't do that. That that just won't happen. Isn't that like when a horse won athlete of the year? Kind of. Or people wanted that to happen. Right. Did that actually happen? I forget. I forget how that yeah, wasn't went down. Like wasn't a horse I don't know which horse it was. Secretariat. Didn't didn't it win like sportsman of the year? Ah uh, no, it was more recent than that. It was sports person of the year. Yeah. yeah. People people were mad. I think I think Serena won the award. And people were mad that the horse that won the triple crown didn't win it instead. That's what happened. <laughs> that's the story that's that's coming back right. to my that was mind. A, a real thing that happened. Uh, yeah, LeBron, I believe, was just named the 2016 Sports Person of the Year. Oh, I'm shocked they didn't go with you know some dog that helped win the Iditarod or something. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. Uh, going back to the Drew Brees, uh, that that crazy advanced stat. Uh, that you know he's gone two straight games now with three picks and no touchdowns. Uh, it hasn't been done since 2011 by anyone else. Here's the list of guys who have done it since 2000. We'll, we'll just we'll cut it off there arbitrarily. John Kitna, Joey Harrington, Kerry Collins, Dante Culpepper, Chris Sims, Rex Grossman, Josh Freeman, and Tyler Palco. What is that? A dumpster full of jerseys you just found? What is <laughs> yeah, that list? Much, right? Like, if, if it's honestly like, all right, name ten guys you think might be in this category. Like, are those like the ten guys you would name? No, I wouldn't name those ten guys for any category. No, ever. I mean for this category, like guys you think would have had six interceptions, and oh, no touchdowns. Over yeah, two weeks. I mean, like, this is like a who's a, who. A of couple, those guys. a couple of those yeah. guys. I would probably come up with Joey Harrington. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm, so, I'm not, I mean, he's at his time. He, he was. <laughs> he was doomed to fail from the start because he was part of the Matt Millen Lions coached by Marty Morningwig. Like there was, he had no chance of developing into a good NFL player with, with what they had no. done to the personnel there. And that, I don't know if on a better team, it would have been any different, but he was doomed to fail from the start. It's kind of like when people, uh, they, they kind of pick on David Carr. Mm-hmm. It's like he was Same a quarterback thing. of an expansion team. Like what, right. what did you guys think was going to happen? Wasn't he sacked like a record number of times, like immediately? I think he was sacked more than 70 times his first year. You should look that up. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Right. Well, I believe they I believe they drafted Tony Baselli or they stole him away from the Jaguars to be to like to be their left tackle and then he just retired before playing for the Texans. So yeah. they, had, they really had no left tackle. I mean, Tony Baselli retired at 29. Well, I mean, he got out when yeah, he's like, I don't know about this guys. So I think I'm just, just going to hang her up. Good move on his part. Yeah. Uh, by the way, tweet of the week has to go to uh, Richard Deitch. I don't know if you saw this one last night. He writes for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a media professor at, at Columbia. Good guy. Uh, Columbia Journal- Journalism School. Always always has good tweets out there. Uh, and this was, it, he retweeted Skip Bayless, who just, of course, in, in tr- classic Bayless fashion, just wrote, come on, Aaron Rodgers, be great today for once. Yeah. So Deitch retweets it, and he burns Bayless's ratings all the time and just writes, Last Wednesday, the Skip Bayless-led Undisputed drew 99,000 viewers. On same day and same time slot, Bubble Guppies drew 858,000 on Nickelodeon. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not really phased by Skip Bayless anymore. Like, I, I feel like you're probably the same way, right? I mean, anyone who follows sports closely and knows, like, by this point, and you could, could have said the same thing, like, eight years ago, his act was already getting old. But, like, Skip doesn't actually think like this, right? I don't think he thinks most of these things, but I think it's profitable for him to act right. the way he does almost, because he makes, like, like, $6 million yeah. a year. Like, kudos to him for not backing down. Like, this is his shtick, and it been working for him monetarily at least right he's he's the sports media world's court jester and it's, funny it's a high-paying gig so like you look at the mentions for this tweet and it's there's like hundreds and hundreds of people firing back oh at people him. Like, are idiots why do you yeah. bother with this like what, what are you what are you gonna do what right. are you gonna do tweeting back at skip bayless right. what is that has going he to change ever responded to anyone on twitter i don't think he has has he ever changed his mind because no, of something right. someone tweeted at him right yeah exactly like yeah let's let's Shoot him a link to to Aaron Rodgers' game logs. That'll change his mind. Yep, that'll do it. Just just lay out just lay out uh, that argument. That, that's, that's been the problem. Me. This was before my time, I believe, and maybe you might remember this. But like Skip was like at one point a well respected like columnist slash like real journalist, right? Like didn't wasn't he like the big the big man on like the the Dynasty Cowboys beat for the Dallas Morning News? I think yeah, he had, he had SMU football and then the, the Dallas right. Cowboys in the nineties. Yeah, didn't wasn't those he were his big beats. on breaking the, the SMU scandal? Yeah, like he's he's an actual like, like he, he was a credible was like, journalist right. at one point. He was like a really good journalist, and now he's this media villain that's just uh, it's almost like a parody of himself. It, it's and he's odd. in some ways he's kind of the first of his kind. You know, like the way he kind of came about at the right time as far as media switching to these type of shows. Like there was no, you know. And whatever, what is he uninterrupted? Is that what it's called? Like that's I don't, I don't know. The show gets ratings only like the the commercials get better ratings than the show itself right. because they air the commercials during games on Sundays. Right. Well, I mean, like what I mean is like those shows didn't exist before like two thousand. They don't need to exist. They're bad shows. Yeah, I'm just saying like it's there's never been someone like him because nobody's ever like thought of it. The idea, I guess, of becoming that type of media personality and it's. It's interesting, like how you know, how he'll be remembered. Like he's not going to be remembered for his his journalism. That's he's, for sure. He is the sports media world's equivalent to like Jerry Springer. Yeah, and that's basically kind of looks like Jerry Springer. That's what they've done. And the weird thing is, I mean, aside from being a credible journalist, once aside from the fact that I don't think he believes ninety percent of the crap that he says on TV, the the weirdest thing of all is that he's related to a famous chef, Rick Bayless. Who? He, Again, things you'll know more about when you turn thirty, I guess. But Rick Bayless has like good restaurants. Like he's a legitimately like well-known chef, who's probably if you step outside of sports like, as a dome, like just go outside like the whole the whole universe of everything, his brother's more famous than he is. You wouldn't know it. I mean, I working here know. and being around sports all the time, but yeah, is like, he related to Jared Bayless for the Sixers? Uh, not. Not um, not at the brother level, but I'm not sure if there's a, a distant, you know, relationship mm-hmm. there. I, I I don't know. I haven't gone that far into the Bayless family tree. Okay, yeah, clearly I have not either. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's waiver time on Tuesday. Jake and Eric are back with you for that.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.